0: Regardless of what state we were in, we saw increases in demand due to everyone having to stay at home and Mm -hmm. the transition from experiential goods to consumer packaged goods. And, you know, because of that increase in demand and the fact that the pandemic lasted another probably 18 to two years longer than we thought it was, people increased their supply in order to deal with that demand in 2021 and 2022. Then when pandemic ended we're all dealing with the same thing whether or not it's in arizona washington or oregon or colorado or many of these other states in massachusetts where we have a little bit of a oversupply problem creating a price crunch
1: We're back at MJ Bizcon 2023. This is episode one of 40, and we're going to see how this goes. you got to call out the numbers. It's a lot of 40s. Here with one of my co-hosts, <laughs> we have a lot of good co-hosts. And uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Really? Uh, my name is Max Juhasz from Dope SEO. Uh, we're digital marketing for cannabis companies. We've been doing it since 2016. Max is an unbelievable uh, individual who cares about others, and everybody who's associated with Mita, everybody, the 80 individuals that are coming on the podcast, to share some one two three, some ABCs of the different jurisdictions so you can know who to reach out to and how business development begins in the different jurisdictions, cares about you and cares about your education. They're doing this for free, and we appreciate these two individuals Absolutely. joining us, and I'm about to introduce them. But it's so cool that we're starting with Colorado Ooh, as our first yes. podcast because you guys were 1st the first, yes. yes. Which is just appropriate.
2: Absolutely. This
1: was not planned. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I thought it was. I, 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 <laughs> it is a total... We have this giant program. We stuck in Colorado, Washington, New York, mm-hmm. Thailand. We'd have all these states, and I it, maybe it was like unconscious or something, you know? Yeah. So let's introduce Subliminal. you. Let's introduce yeah. you guys to our audience. Tell us a little bit about who you are, how long you've been involved in cannabis, and uh, then we'll talk about your company. But first, who you are?
2: All right, I'm Alex Herding. Um, I have been an advocate since I was in high school in the '90s, um, right outside D.C. That's where I really got the political activism, but I've been uh, a part of the, the legal market um, since 2009. I was a caregiver um, right after the Green Rush started um, when Attorney General um, wrote the Cole Memo and allowed allowed the, the medical businesses to get started. So I was growing for patients then, I was working with uh, the dispensaries. And then when 2014 came around, I got one of the very first recreational licenses uh, for cultivating in Leadville, Colorado. Um, it got pretty pretty dicey there I, it, with the with the FDIC shutting down the operation because of the landlord had a lease. It got complicated, but I convinced uh, a competitor of ours to actually hire my partner and I to design, build, and operate a world class cultivation facility up in Leadville. So I got the start there. Um, I have a big background in uh, worker safety, so I started developing safety programs, worked with OSHA, um, have gone on as a, a consultant, and um, expanded into the quality management systems as well.
1: So before we get to Andrew, quickly, this is like such an important thing because over this 2009, 2023, you've learned to navigate not just Colorado but other states. And it's that navigating those waters yep. that you have as a unique skill set and knowledge base that very few people have out there who we are looking to jump from state to state? Yep. You see what I'm saying? Which is an unbelievable. I mean, you could be a consultant if you wanted to. You could be, a, I guess, a lobbyist or a lawyer or something. You know, one of those guys that help people do that. That's what we're trying. The information we're trying to get out of you. When did Colorado go medical?
2: Uh, well, they actually passed the medical law in 2000, but it was 2009 when uh, Obama and uh, Attorney General Holder, they Holder, are the the. His office passed this, uh, put the the Cole memo in. Yeah, it was the Ogden memo. Oh, it was the Ogden memo.
1: Ogden and Wilkinson Mm. memorandum. I love this guy already. Mm. So so I want you to tell the history of Colorado in a second. But first, let's introduce Andrew and the history next.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, So my name is Andrew Livingston. I'm the director of economics and research at Vicente LLP. Um, We're the probably first and largest cannabis law firm uh, in the country. Um, and I was—I started getting involved in cannabis and drug policy forum back in 2009, uh, when I was also in high school. Uh, well, no, yeah, a little after high school, um, and uh, you know, started a, a chapter of Students for Sensible Drug yes. Policy at, nice. at uh, Colgate University in Upstate New York, and then I, I worked oh, on. Oh, the,
1: uh, shout out to our program director Larissa Yabara. Yeah. Because I am already impressed by the quality of guests that you have managed to. That's great, right there, Larissa. Larissa. Give her a little thank you. Yeah. You brought you brought us two superstars here. Yeah, no, we've yeah. both
0: been doing this for a decade plus. Yeah, I, so. I know,
1: but I didn't set all this up, and she did, and this is perfect. Yeah. Go well, on. Oh, thank you,
0: thank you, <laughs> thank you, Larissa. Um, and so I worked on the Amendment 64 campaign uh, back in 2012. Uh, and was kind of one of the first uh, non-lawyer, non-administrative roles at Vicente when we were six or seven people. And we are now in like seven states, uh, more than that. And so I do the economic analysis and regulatory policy analysis, but I helped to start up our compliance program in Colorado from about 2013 to about 2016. Um, And I help people navigate the patchwork of cannabis laws Um, in Colorado, across the country, and across the world uh, doing economic analysis and and regulatory policy work. Dude, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, very so, cool. b- b- both you guys, you know, uh, your honor, can I have them entered in as experts? <laughs> uh, what, 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 what do we say? That's saying? actually a legal technical term, <laughs> and <laughs> you know, I'd have to be.
0: In order for me to do expert witness testimony, I'd have to you know go through some processes. Okay. But yeah, I mean, okay. I, I will say I'm a relative expert.
1: Our, our courtroom and our judge is yeah. okay with it. We're, All right. Yeah. Well, thanks. We're, we're, yeah, we're, we're here gonna, under we're gonna the edify uh, you guys authority as of uh, MJ Bizcon. You know. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's go back to the beginning. Uh, Colorado went medical in?
2: Well, uh, technically in 2000, they passed the laws, but it was very underground, and there wasn't a formal system that was really allowed. Uh, there was, it was very, kind of decriminalized for so about were, a decade. So there weren't
1: any licenses being issued back then? So,
0: yeah, for a long period of time, from about uh, 1996 when, when California passed Proposition yes. 215 until about 2008, the last patient care system in Michigan, um, it was a n- implicitly or explicitly non commercial systems um, because at that time during the you know Bush administration predominantly, uh, no one wanted to license cannabis businesses because they were worried about mm. putting state employees at risk for violations of federal law. Um, so they created these sorts of non commercial systems where a physician and that was uh, the physician rights to talk with a p- patient about Um, about cannabis had already been determined and approved in the Supreme Court that that was under First Amendment. And so we we had these kind of patient systems and then either the patients could grow themselves or a caregiver, yourself, could grow them themselves. This turned semi-commercial, particularly in California back in probably about 2006 2007 as the Bush administration was waning then when the Obama administration came in the first memorandum that was put out by uh, Deputy Attorney Ogden at the time this was before the Cole memo back in 2008 basically set the first uh, Framework for the um, uh, Licensing it wasn't really licensing it was set the first framework for uh, The feds basically saying we're not going to go after patients and caregivers so from then uh, the first states to then pass laws implementing commercial cannabis was actually uh, New Mexico in 2007, but that was a non-commercial mm-hmm. system. Right. Uh, then was Colorado in 2010 uh, with HB, what is it, 1218? if I remember correctly. That right. sounds right. That sounds uh, right. And so, what happened then? So Brian Vicente, the the lead, uh, right. partner of the law firm I work for, helped to win a case in Colorado. So the um, Uh, Department of Health basically at that time said put in a ruling that said uh, caregivers can only have five patients each. And basically he he won on an administrative case saying that that ruling had no basis in the law um, and was not in compliance with the constitutional amendment that passed in 2000. Um, So then they overturned it. Uh, allowing caregivers to serve an unlimited number of patients, which is essentially these Mm. storefront caregivers. And rather than try to crack down on it, um, as like Washington State had done back in 2010 and some other states had done, um, Colorado passed a law, the first regulating commercial for-profit medical cannabis businesses um, in about 2010. That's why you saw a proliferation of these businesses in places like Denver and other spots. Uh, You know, We were able to go from semi-legit to more legit, um, setting the pathway for adult use legalization to pass in 2012 and to be implemented in 2014. So prior
1: to 2010, the state wasn't uh, actively counting plants and collecting taxes?
0: Uh, It was counting plants insofar as patients had a specific number of plants they could cultivate, um, or there was extended plant counts. But I don't think... That was, it was
1: partial regulation. It was partial regulation. Yeah,
0: there was still like, uh, you know, patient cards and a patient registry system and things like that going back, you know, to 2000. Um, but there were not kind of, you know, there weren't metric tags. So actually, we're in Metric Tech yeah. 2014. So, yeah, that was No one like, wants to talk about that Right. 2010 <laughs> 2012. So. Yeah. Yeah. It was a wild rest. And, and either,
1: either you guys should yeah. talk about this, and this is like a dissertation level subject, but... Sorry, you, I've you, got to. You, you, you No, 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 no. But this is important stuff. I mean, I, I'm learning. I'm, I'm so excited to do this whole project here because oh. I'm going to learn so much from from the people that like yourself. And thank you again, Larissa, for bringing us such great experts. Um, you know, so you have these licenses in 2010, 11, 12 that are medical in nature. And the transition from medical to adult use, I remember I got involved in 2012, 13 in Arizona, and the question was being asked, how do you transition a medical market to an adult use market? Is it a different consumer base? Who's entitled to produce, sell the product? How does that transition work? And, oh, wait, bring that up. Bring that up. Destiny, bring that up. It has arrived. It has arrived. <laughs> this is this is the table of a thousand ideas. What do you guys think?
2: Very sparkly. Yeah. What yeah. do you guys
1: think? Right. So so you put your well, you put whatever thing you and then you get a whole new perspective on reality. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That, the psychedelic <laughs> conference is next door, but we respect. Yeah, okay. Totally. So it's a very unique madness. It's a madness. It's crazy what happens because it's never really happened much in human history where you take a certain commodity or service or a good and you transition it into a new market structure with a new base set of uh, consumers and patients. You want to reflect on that a little bit and talk about what happened in Colorado? Yeah,
2: you know, actually, the, it, it actually parallels similar to the it, ending it, of prohibition of alcohol. Right. Because they were mm. actually, um, Walgreens actually became Walgreens because they were um, supplying uh, medical beer. And there was actually doctors and the prescribing in a very similar way. Whoa. And so, um, you know, they're, they're, there's an interesting parallel there. But what I liked how Colorado did it and I think how –
1: Everybody's it, doing it differently.
2: It, everybody's yeah. doing it differently. But it, it, the way I see it was more successful, it was – there were some states like California that was – they were early, um, you know, with the medical uh, – their medical system – but what they did—it was a nonprofit. You know, they created a nonprofit system, which. I appreciate that they were out early and doing this, but the reality is everybody was in business to make money. Mm-hmm. And when when they, when they started in Colorado, it, it, the medical system was for profit, which right. was a more honest system. And so when they transitioned from the medical to the recreational, it was you know it was basically transitioning the license. You know you didn't need the 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 the, the patients um, cards anymore. So it was it was a little more seamless than what you've seen in other states that were nonprofit.
1: Right, and and. Okay. Uh, do you want to reflect on this
2: yeah i mean i would say that part of the issue in
0: california in their transition is that while they had medical cannabis from 2000 from 1996 they never regulated their medical cannabis businesses until about 2015 with mercurso oh, god that's so, so you long. had a system of almost 20 years that's... of a gray market and the consumer base and the entrepreneurial base got used to what yeah. was For a period of time, the best of both worlds, which is a non regulated, semi legal business to do what you want with it. Do what you want, and
1: nobody's telling you what to do or how to do it. And it's awesome.
0: You know, it's like you can just, you know, you have patients come in and they can just give you a whole bunch of cannabis and you can figure it out. Thank you. Um, And you can run your business kind of without that degree of oversight. Then, McCurso, as it came in, had, you know, so many layers of, of California style bureaucracy that. You know, there was actually a rapid transition between regulated medical and then adult use, and it actually kind of got mixed and merged together a little bit in a cacophony of, of trouble. Um, and so that's kind of where California started its issues. And then also, they had too high tax rates and too, too complicated of tax collection structure with the distribution systems. Mm. Some of that's been ameliorated a bit, but uh, they're, you know, dealing with the kind of the echoes of those problems that occurred. Um, mid last decade
1: if I was running a brand in cannabis and I was manufacturing in one of the states and I wanted to go national over the next five ten years I would hire you as my in-house general counsel
0: well thank you uh, I'm not an attorney <laughs> but but I uh, I can be
1: absolutely your in-house
0: general you know, economic uh analysis and and uh, you know happy to have people reach out to me afterwards I I do economic projections and market analysis for pretty much every single state in the country uh, and I've been doing this for over a decade. But you work for the law firm. I work for a law firm. I'm a unique individual in which a law firm has an in-house economist. You're a unicorn, basically. Yeah. No, you are.
1: Um, This guy's ridiculous. Yeah,
0: impressive. (laughs) I've just been doing this for a while. No, I I, I, I went
1: great trying to figure this out and I hear you. It's like trying to figure out the world, you know, and, and all the different laws and rules and regulations and ethics and morals and things that govern us. So eventually yeah. you know man can try as hard as he wants to but you know Eventually, you can't figure everything out, but I'm, I'm listening to him. I'm like, maybe this guy's got it all figured out. I mean, the cannabis industry
0: is, you know, they talk about it in At nat- least in the cannabis industry. Yeah. Right, right. The, the cannabis industry is, an, is a national industry, but it, it's not really national. It's a it's a complex patchwork. Yeah. It's a quilt, right? Each yes. state has its own unique design, and they are stitched together next to each other. Now, there are certain winds that will blow across the quilt in a way that affects everything, right? The yes. pandemic, you know, regardless of what state we were in, we saw increases in demand due to everyone having to stay at home and mm-hmm. the transition from... Um, you know, experiential goods to consumer packaged goods. And, you know, because of that increase in demand and the fact that uh, the pandemic lasted another probably 18 to two years longer than we thought it was, people increased their supply in order to deal with that demand in 2021 and 2022. Then when pandemic ended, we're all dealing with the same thing, whether or not it's in Arizona or whether or not it's in uh you know washington or oregon or colorado or many of these other states in massachusetts where we have a little bit of a oversupply problem creating a price crunch and that sort of thing is such thing as
1: oversupply though is that's a better perspective
0: absolutely because because you can't send cannabis legally out of of state and of course there's always this certain degree that like um you know illicit market diversion out of state is a little bit of a of a pressure valve to prices, Mm -hmm. that only works so much, particularly when, you know, during 2021, 2022, a state like, you know, Oklahoma was doing a lot more of that and kind of sucking some of that up. And so particularly when, you know, you you build out a cultivation facility in some of these states, Colorado's less of an issue because uh, we have lower costs. But, you know, if you're building out a, a facility in the East Coast and your cost of production is... You know, $1,800 a pound, like you're not going to be profitable because right. cannabis is going to come down to, you know, yep. below 2,000.
1: Know. I, we'll yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the oversupply concept though, yeah. because we get into this all the time, because you have all these policymakers, all these legislators, everybody's trying to figure out what the right balance is, how the right market structure should be, right licensing structure, how many license. I am a free market yeah, same. advocate, 100% unequivocally. I think we've created the Drug War 2.0. Prohibition 2.0, and that's not what Mother Nature called yeah. for. So That's just my philosophical perspective. That's not reality, okay? Yeah. So, but when you use a term like oversupply, if a cultivator built a big facility, you know, and a whole bunch of other cultivators build big facilities in New Jersey. They might go to the legislature and say, no, there's an oversupply. We need to restrict the, number the amount of, of cultivations. But yeah, really, yeah, yeah. what they did is they They, they up
0: gobbled up the market too early. And,
1: and, and, and they made a mistake, and it's yeah. over, and you're so, going to go out of business, and tough cookies, tough luck.
0: So on a, on a regulatory policy structure, there's, there's two primary ways states regulate supply. Sometimes they do both but that's usually a little bit rarer. They usually do one or the other, which is they're either gonna limit the number of licenses mm-hmm. or they're gonna limit the size and the speed at which those licenses can expand. Yep. So Colorado's got that second option, right? We have different tiers. Yep. You start at certain tiers and you can expand up and you need to, in order to expand to the next year, you need to demonstrate that you're growing at or near, what is 85% of yep. your plant count, yep. and then you can apply and you can increase your, your, your allotment. Um, Massachusetts does something similar, a handful of other states do something similar. Then there's places like Arizona. Arizona. Which limits the number of licenses but doesn't actually limit the number of the limit the cultivation right. of each Unloaded one of those canopy. licenses. Yeah, that actually has less of a supply constriction, right? Because what what you're essentially doing is you have a handful of players that you have an unknown amount of cannabis on the market, where places like Colorado and Massachusetts actually know they know the number of licenses, they know the allocated canopy. But even more so, if you look at some of the studies, so Colorado does some studies um, one of my colleagues, Adam Orins, um, with uh, MPG Consulting, uh, and there's some studies out in Washington. When you look at underutilized capacity, so what that is is like how much uh, ca- cannabis uh, square foot has been allocated, and how much is actually being grown. It's really only about 40 to 60 percent. So would you you think these regulators have a control over supply? But to a certain extent, it's. Uh, it's like a marionette with too long of strings. They don't so actually it's, have it's control of the machinations. Good flow, yeah,
1: yeah, and so um, I'm not a fan of strings. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm just not. Yeah, so I don't, I, I don't know I, if that I, metaphor fits I'm, for you, I'm, but I'm an Adam Smith guy. There's only one revolution, yeah, and that's the revolution so, of freedom, and it takes different forms. So
0: the, the the fascinating thing, right, is that you say, okay, well, you know, Colorado is one of the few states that actually has gone. This is, you know, we're having a, a license decline on cultivation. Yep. It's been, about, I think, probably about 18 to 20% decline since its peak um, in 2021 and 2022 when we had about, it was like 880 or so cultivation licenses. Yeah, but right. we had, be, we had uh, in 2017 and 2018, <laughs> it was 2018 and 2019, we had a, a decline in, in cultivation licenses previously when we went through an up and down. So this is actually our second up and down. It's larger than, it, than the one previously. I think it was only about an 85 Uh, percent decline in the number of cultivation licenses back then. Um, But the market does correct. The question is, is how fast does that market correct, right? right? And for a regulatory, for regulators in the state, given that illicit market diversion is illegal and a threat to the industry at large, there is the risk of you say, okay, we want a market correction, right? So, but market corrections increase the likelihood that businesses may end up doing things that are out of compliance. And so that's the only reason why you have to actually be concerned, because the self-correcting mechanisms of a free market uh, induce um, additional compliance concerns during the heat of the moment.
1: I love how you say this calmly, you know, me, when I start to talk about market opportunities in market structure. <laughs> I get a little upset when I have to tell entrepreneurs or individuals that want to participate, your unborn child who one day wants to get involved yeah. in cannabis. Yeah, he's one and a half. So. That, that, yeah. that, oh, OK. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. 18 years from now, your son and daughter is going to say, hey, dad, I want to do a cultivation. And you're going to say, but there's this barrier created by the government that you first have to jump through, or, or you over. can never get a license
0: because they aren't issuing new ones. Right, there, it is—it is, exactly. it is it's like truly liquor licenses sad. in specific yes. states, it's, it's where it just has to be generational sad. and handed down. I and,
1: I and I won't challenge you guys if you guys have particular like clients or stuff that you have to represent. But I refuse to live in a world that accepts that the government can get in the way of my hopes, dreams, and opportunities. That's not what I want. And as somebody who cares about employees going to the workplace and learning how a dispensary works. So we're learning how work, learning how the cultivation works, I want to make sure that the government and the market structures that we set up or we encourage or promote are as accessible as possible. That's just me. I don't know if you guys agree or.
2: Yeah. 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 larger. Yeah. I do think yeah. there should you're, be. You're some, not going to say controls. no in public. <laughs> no. Uh, I, I don't want to take up too much I, time. You know, I want to I, 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 The only caveat I'd say is, you know, I do appreciate, uh, you know, the government controls when it comes to. Worker and consumer safety. Yeah. There, there should be there should be some type of controls there. I yeah. mean, but I but I, I agree. I think there should be that the free market should largely correct well, itself. Well, so you tell know. us
1: about like t- let's focus a little bit more on Colorado right now as it is. You know, I know when you asked the question. How's the Colorado market? It's so broad, and there's so many different agendas. But give us a little reflection upon yeah, your it, experience right now. Yeah,
2: I'm, and, and obviously I'm interested it, in what all, you have to say. But yeah, you know, no, it, it's it's, one, it's the most mature market, right? And I mean, you, and you see some of the maturation going on, and, and some of the, the pain in, involved with it. I mean, it's a race to the bottom for cost of goods sold right now. So it, it is a real competition, right? You know, and the one the exciting things that I'm seeing, and and going back to the, the product safety side, and, and, and it actually frees up some of the the. Potential Burdens of the um, uh, some of the testing requirements is uh, and I was just talking to s- some experts yesterday, and it's it's at a it's at a rulemaking process I, or a step that I'm I'm curious, but it's a HACCP, which is a hazard analysis and critical control point uh, requirements that well not a requirement that says if you can come in and these they call it HACCP, which is basically good best practices for. Food making and, and general kind of production of, of products that people consume, and so uh, what what they what they're saying is that if you can come in and, uh, and and prove that you have you have better control over these hazards and contaminants. That they, they will actually reduce your your testing requirements, which a lot of people the the new testing requirements that came in there's there's a lot of mycotoxin um, testing right. that a lot of people find extremely burdensome, so they're actually giving you know some of these operators additional you know, uh, options to reduce that burden by proving that they can keep the product safe.
1: So what are the best, uh, and I want uh, to think about this question for a second because I want to make a comment. but th- what are the best opportunities, the best places to get involved in the market in Colorado right now? Just ho- hold your thought for a second because I do like to say, we don't say race to the bottom around here. We say the natural point at which cannabis should be produced and cultivated and all those kind of things because that's about a of perspective again. And those policymakers, when they hear "race to the bottom," they think there's a problem, but there isn't a problem. The price should come down to where it belongs naturally, and that's best for the patients and consumers. And I challenge anyone in this industry to set, tell, to 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 share with the patients and the consumers that they don't want the prices to come down and they want to be protected by government regulations. There's no
0: reason for an agricultural product, regardless of whether or not it's grown indoors under LED lights, to cost more than $1,000 a pound to produce. Right, Right.
1: But we do have the safety and concerns that are very genuine. And and sometimes
0: those additional costs are unnecessary regulatory burdens. So we need to look at how we can, you know, advance efficiencies there. And honestly, one of the things that Colorado is doing in the way that they're shifting from, you know, the frequency of testing to kind of, Outside of the cannabis industry, how food product safety testing occurs normally, it's not that every single, you know, batch of chickens it's tested. It's that there is hazard and critical control point analysis, good manufacturing practice standards, and, you know, random testing from the federal government or or your local regulators that come in. Um, And so that testing, you know, we have a, a sophisticated food product safety testing outside of the cannabis industry that we just haven't implemented in the same way for cannabis because of uh, one, some of the, the structures for good manufacturing practices, the initial businesses couldn't meet. Uh, and so they kind of overcompensated with that with the frequency of testing, which yeah. just adds variable
2: costs rather than initial capital yes. costs. So
1: do you have an answer to that question? What are the best market opportunities in, in Colorado right now?
2: You know, it is, it's a tough market. I mean, and what I would tell people is if you can find a good location for dispensary, I, if you're not already involved in cultivating or extraction, it's going to be really hard right. to get involved. What I the opportunities, if you want to be a part of the plant touching industry, I'd say it's it's a good lo, it's location location location. If you can find a good spot for dispensary, there's always opportunities there. And, I, and honestly, I think. The uh, the infused product market really has has you know there's so much creativity that you can infuse it in you know topicals and edibles and drinkables. I think there's there's still plenty of opportunity there.
1: You know I could geek out with you guys all day long. Our producer, we got to wrap this one yeah. up. This is why I came to MJ Bizcon to sit and have these conversations talk with guys like you. people. I know <laughs> I know more now than I did yep. when I sat here, and I love that. Uh, that is absolutely awesome, and so does our audience. Are you guys accessible to our audience if they yeah. want to reach out to you? Absolutely. Accessible? What's the best way for people to get in contact with you?
0: Um, so first off, people should go to uh, Vicente LLP, uh, dot com. You can find me. My name's Andrew Livingston. Uh, shoot me an email, uh, a.livingston at VicenteLLP.com. Happy to chat with people. Um, and, uh, you know, you can find me on uh, on LinkedIn as well. Uh, reach out to me, and, you know, I'll, I'll shoot you my email, and we'll, we'll correspondence from there. And I'm I'm, I'm looking to, to to take in new clients, uh, you know, looking to to expand the econ department, uh, you know, at the firm, and you know, really at this point in time, it's about understanding that complex nature of different regulatory systems, whether it's in Colorado or nationally, so that you can figure out how to capitalize on the you know economic opportunities that exist. Because nice. right now, cannabis businesses are being sold for cheap, particularly in Colorado. So you know, if you're an investor who hadn't jumped in. Now is actually not a bad time to if you have the capital to you know, take it the extra you know, 12 months until the the rebound of the the market in the state. So
1: you have so much more to offer. People, you Reach out to him. Call him. You know how to get in touch with him. Thank you for of being course, here. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And now how do people get in touch with you? So Closing I, thoughts.
2: Yeah, so I'm with ICS Consulting Service. You can find it at ICSConsultingService.com. We help with compliance uh, um, issues and also Worker safety, product safety. We can it also provide people with additional resources if they're looking for it. But and we're our, here to help.
1: Obviously, total expert on Colorado. Are you doing compliance cross country? Yeah, cross-country yeah, too? nationally. Yeah. Ouch! So we didn't even get into that. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Give these guys a yeah, call. Yeah, quality management systems,
2: worker <laughs> safety, a whole other yeah, it's a wormholes that oh, we can go down.
1: Ship. We got to keep these at thirty minutes, and this has been one of my favorite podcasts. It's have first ever one. Done. It's the first one for the for you know. It's the yeah. first official. Meet Unshackled one, yeah, from, yeah, Meat from, 2023. from MJ BizCon I mean this is so this, oh, this is officially my favorite one I feel like one should... <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and only it's, it's like we just set a bar <laughs> we will be back with episode two episode three and the rest of the Meet Unshackled state by state series here from MJ 2023 thank you guys for being our first thank guest you. yeah thank you appreciate it